So let's go again with one of our Books of the Year uh, question and answer sessions. Uh, Jeanette Winston is here. Frankenstein is her brand new novel. You can find it on one of our other podcasts. Uh, so don't miss that because it's there are so many ideas. You're not going to want to miss a second of that. So Jeanette, here we go. The last book you really, really enjoyed. Oh, well, I want to have two. Um, sorry about that. But I'd like to have... Uh, I was I was just reading Richard Holloway's uh, meditation on death, actually, called Waiting for the Last Boss. Uh, he was the former um, Bishop of Edinburgh. And it's one of those books you want to read when you get a bit older in life and you actually know that death is approaching because it's nearer to you um, than the beginning was. And not in a morbid way, but in a reflective way about how you prepare for that. Because in our society, we're really rubbish at preparing for death or even accepting it as a fact in our lives. We're terrified of it. I mean, most people have never even seen a dead body, uh, let alone thought about their own. You know, and in the past, it was very common um, both to be aware of mortality. Most women lost at least one child in childbirth. Everybody was living around death all of the time and, and we're afraid of it we want to be forever young forever immortal uh, and, he's and, and he's given up his faith hasn't he yes he has he has because he says look you know the church isn't a comforting place anymore um, and it should be and one of the things it was good at in its comforting form was helping people to die and helping the, re the bereaved to manage the death of a loved one. And we all need that. So there's a lot of just straightforward wisdom and kindness there, you know, in a world now where there isn't very much wisdom and kindness. So I've loved that. And also I'm reading a, what will sound like an, uh, a bit of an arcane choice, but it isn't actually. It's, called, it's about Chaucer, the poet Chaucer, and it's called Chaucer, A European Life. And the reason I'm reading it is by Marion Turner, is I was at the Hay Festival and she was speaking and I thought, oh, I'll go to that. I had an hour. And she was brilliant, um, just talking about Chaucer as a European, not as a little Englander. You know, the way we've made him now, shoved him in Poets' Corner, you know, the beginning of Inglit for everybody. But just talking about how much he travelled in Europe, um, that he spoke other languages, that he very much understood himself as being part of something bigger than London. Uh, and that seemed to me very timely, and especially where we are now. Naturally enough, I can't bear the thought of Brexit or the thought that we would withdraw from the European project. And what she makes really clear is that, you know, London as a trading sector uh, and as a great city has always belonged with the great cities of the world and that Chaucer understood this. So far from being a kind of, you know, highbrow madness about poetry nobody reads anymore, um, it's actually... A, a really rollicking and fun account um, of what it was like to live in the 1300s. Chaucer died in 1400, bang on. Um, and how wide was their sensibility? You know, not narrow at all. They were different to us, uh, but they certainly weren't stupider and they certainly weren't little Englanders. Do you, do you have a favourite novelist, someone that you will, whenever they bring something out, you will go to and buy that book? Oh, I always read what Ali Smith's doing. I always want to know what she's up to. Um, but the trouble with naming novelists is other novelists then shout at you <laughs> and say, oh, you didn't name me. So I've really had to stop that because I've had the noose around my neck so often. <laughs> you could do a dead novelist, that might be. Yeah, no, that's what gets you out of it, doesn't it? Do you have a favourite historian or do they play the same kind of games? No, no. I mean, I've always... I mean, Jan Morris is really out of fashion now, but I've always loved reading uh, both her take, not only on the British Empire, but also, um, again, on the world. You know, I like I like people's views of things. I, that That's, for me, that's what education is. It's knowing what other people think about the world, and usually, and hopefully, it's different to the way that you think about it and the way that you see it. Um, so she's been a great companion of mine all my life. I can't believe she's still alive, but she is. Um... And do I, I, do I read history? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm the kind of person who will always have a non-fiction book 
on the bedside table a poetry book, uh, usually a piece of fiction that I'm either loving or throwing at the wall. And so there's always four or five things that I dip in and out of. Is there a book that you'd love to step inside of? Yeah, I think that would probably be Orlando, Virginia Woolf's Orlando. Um, it's 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 one of the first time travel books actually. Orlando's 1928. Um, the idea that you can, in, in different shapes, cross time. It's certainly the first transgender novel because that's what happens. You know, Orlando begins as a young nobleman in the reign of Elizabeth and ends up um, as a woman trying to get her property back in 1928, which is uh, when, the, when the book actually finishes and when it was published. So it's this fabulous romp. You know, people think Virginia was sort of highbrow and, and, and difficult. Should always start with Orlando because it's such good fun. I'd love to be there. I mean, my favourite periods of history are probably the Elizabethan period. Uh, I'd give anything to just be inside those city walls of London um, when Shakespeare was around and they were four theatres and just go to a show one night. Yeah, but you'd be dead by fifty-two. I know, but you know what? I can. I could. Well, I'd be dead now. But <laughs> I think I could deal with that. I've never actually cared about life for its own sake. I'd rather have the intensity. And when you're when you're setting off on a new book, Jeanette, yeah. as in reading it, not writing it, how long do you give it? Will you always finish, or do you have a cut-off point? When I'm reading it, no, I don't always finish. It's terrible. Um, I get sent so many books. Um, Poetry is different because in you know, a poems are short, and you have to read at least ten to see if you if, if you're enjoying the collection. But with with, with fiction or with nonfiction. Um, Sometimes as little as 20 pages. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go and on. usually I try and give it 50 because I know I need to be fair. But what I never, ever do is start at the end. <laughs> no, nobody right. does that. Do no, no, yeah. <clears throat> 20 pages, quite right. Mm. Uh, are there any books that stand out to you from, from your childhood? Yeah, uh, well, the big one is the Bible. Um, I can't get away from that, all 66 books of it, or 65 in our case, because Song of Solomon was deemed to be too erotic to be read out loud, so she skipped that. But otherwise, that's what we had, and it was read out loud to me every morning and every evening um, from before I could read. That was Mrs. Winterson standing up and declaring. So there's no way past that. And also my trips to the Accrington Public Library were where I found out about English literature because libraries were real in those days and it was English literature in prose A to Z. So I just started at A because nobody was helping me. I know, and at the beginning you do really well because you get, you know, you get Jane Austen, the Brontes, Comrade, Dickens, George Eliot. You know, you're just on a roll. Um, it faltered at Nabokov, but... I <laughs> I continued. Do you have a favourite autobiography? Do you know, I still think it's Helen MacDonald's H is for Hawk. Um, it is a wonderful book. It's, it's about her dealing with the, the, the early unexpected death of her father when she was a, a, a youngish woman. Um, it's also about how she dealt with that, which is that she decided to train a goshawk, which is not how most people deal with grief. Um, a lot of people have heard of the book, but I don't know if, if, if everybody's read it. And... If you haven't, it's a good companion because it, it's, it's all the ideas um, and it's moving. And for me, books should be moving. You know, I want more than um, just learning something. Um, I, I want my heart to be affected. You've, you've mentioned going to a public library when you were much younger and, and reading from A through to Z. Mm. When was the last time you used a public library? Well, this is a tricky one because, of course, I don't need to use a public library because I can buy all the books I want and I'm sent all the books I don't want. <laughs> so I do pretty well. However, um, I do support 
our library, you know, you can give voluntarily now. And I do think it's important that we keep them going. Um, and when, my, when I was bringing up the children that I brought up, I used to force them to come to the library. But they're now 21 and 19, so that's all over. <laughs> so they didn't get the habit? Well, again, they don't need to okay. because they're, they're buying. They're great book buyers, which is important. But, of course, if you can't afford to or you don't have the space to buy books, then the library is everything. Is there a hidden gem of a place where you like to go to do research or indeed writing? Yes, but it's not to do research, because with research, I'm really anal about it, and I do buy all the books. So that it's a big expense for me when I want to start something, because um, I have to ferry it around get everything, because then I need them around me all of the time. Um, I don't use the internet that much, except for you know looking things up occasionally. Uh, so I do go to the London Library, but I prefer to buy the books that I want. Um, that really matters. I have so many books. My house is ridiculous. As I get older and older, I'll just somehow have to be dragged out or corkscrewed out at the end. There'll just be room for my coffin to get through. <laughs> I do believe that. Um, places to work, I can work anywhere. Uh, I like to work with a, a, a pencil and a notebook, and I write a lot in longhand. But my best place is my studio at home. And, and is there a book that always cheers you up? No, not that you mean that I go back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there isn't. I suppose because I've got so many books. Um, and when I'm, when I'm struggling or stuck either in life or in work, um, I'll just go into my reading room, which is floor-to-ceiling books. Um, it's a place where when people go in there, either they, they gasp or fall silent. They're either delighted or horrified. Um, and I'll just go along the shelves because these are my friends. And it's more like having a conversation with my friends. And I say, I am in a mess. I do. I say it out loud. And then I just kind of roam around, I get a book and I start reading and something always comes that makes that day or that problem better. Before we finish, Jeanette, we should mention your, say hello to your friend who listens to this oh, in the middle yeah, of the Oh, yeah, Hilary night. Fairclough, yes. Oh, <laughs> hello, Hilary. <laughs> hello, Hilary. Yeah, she is such a fan. And you know, she, has, she has steered me so often to the right podcast because she's lying awake all night because she's a terrible insomniac. And, and this is her go-to podcast. Okay, well, I've, I've got an image of Hillary in bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly her name comes across. Yes. So what? <laughs> How bizarre is that? There's no more sleep for you tonight. <laughs> Wake up, Hillary. Just get up and smell the coffee. Uh, Jeanette Winston, thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.